So, like, take off to the great white north. Beauty. Beauty. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Jeez. Take off, <laughs> you hosers. No money. This is episode 54. I'm your host, Chris Killingsworth, and joining me as always is my co-host, Carter Lupel. What's going on, Carter? How's it going, Chris? It's going well. Thanks for asking. And we also have Thomas Williams as well. What's going on, Thomas? Hello. How are you? You're not an afterthought. I just want I'm, to be no, clear on that. No, it's okay. I'm just third all the time. It's, it's just like, and Thomas Williams. And we also have a special guest tonight. Joining us is Ian Tullick. Leafs Geeks and Staff and Graph Athletic Fame. Am I missing anything, Ian? I, I think that's basically it. I don't know about the word fame there. That's a pretty liberal use of the word. But. Yeah, I mean, yeah, relatively speaking. I think that's what people know you for. Also, Ian Graff, uh, as Jeff O'Neill uh, has started calling you in the last uh, year or so. So I think that's a good one as well. So we're uh, excited to get together. Sorry, I just got to get all the noises out of the way. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and also Thomas, piece. for some, yeah. we're sitting at a table and he's got his Budweiser sitting <laughs> on like his backpack. In his backpack. <laughs> it's it's to present the noise. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. Why are you being weird? Yeah, it's, it's not. Because we're actually trying to do a high quality audio oh, okay. podcast. It's true. Yeah, we have to get all the sounds out of the way. We're going to clink the glasses. <laughs> so I uh, think you guys sound did. great for what it's worth. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. So we, uh, we had like a pretty tumultuous last four weeks. Um, uh, I'll share with you guys some of the stuff that's been going on with myself, and then we'll do a quick roundtable of what everybody's been up to. But Um, I will say that uh, we had this brilliant idea a couple of weeks ago to try and record a podcast while I was getting tattooed. I haven't even listened to the... Oh, my God. (laughs) That was a terrible idea. That'll probably never come out. There's some drinks involved. Yeah. Terrible idea. You really cannot record a podcast while someone's being tattooed. There'd be a lot of buzzing, I would think, right? In the background? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I remember looking at just, like, the audio file as it was going in GarageBand. Yeah. It was just like... Okay, just talking, talking, and just like, just a line. I was like, oh, okay. And, and then at one point, I looked over, and Thomas was drinking, and he's walking around the room with the Yeti mic oh, in his the hand. computer, and he's, he's just ranting. talking about, he's just talking about the martyr told, contract. You told me to like just go off like on whatever, so yeah. I was like talking to it, yeah, and then I was just like going go off for five off minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. And I just remember Thomas putting the microphone in my face. He's like, say something about the martyr contract. (laughs) And I'm like just wincing because I'm being tattooed in like a pretty uncomfortable spot. But um, so, yeah, a lot of things have been happening recently. I know for me, uh, we had really tried to commit to a solid schedule, which this is the time of year where uh, every podcast is like, all right, guys, this year we're going to do this. And it's going to be on this day and, and I applaud all the podcasts that can actually uh, live up to that because I know that we've had some challenges in the past. But um, I got really hurt at my cottage. Some of you guys may have heard I had an awful spill and I uh, dislocated my ankle and I cut my knee up pretty bad. So that was that was awful. And then uh, wasn't able to really move around all that much. So we weren't able to record a couple of weeks ago. 
And then uh, I did get married. Thank you. Congrats. So that was exciting. Uh, and it, just a couple of quick stories from the wedding. Um, I did do, you know, I, I took part in lots of drunk tweets uh, from the Hosers account during the wedding, some of which I regret. <laughs> Most of them I don't. Uh, but I will say that uh, I owe a big thank you to Thomas and Carter for making my special day go with off uh, or, or, or with what's the term? Go off without go a hitch. off without a hitch. There we go. Um, including buying the alcohol with me three hours before the wedding started. <laughs> I, the best, the best part is that we were in the lineup at the super center. It was like one thirty, and we were doing getting all the s'more stuff and all the pop. Yes. And then the girl, the cashing us out, was like, "Oh, are you having a party or something?" And we were like, "Oh no, he's getting married in like three hours, <laughs> like less than three hours." It's like, "Oh, okay." The best was the night before. Yeah. Getting your suit. Yeah, yeah, I got my my suit the night before the wedding. Um, But listen, this is what I'll say to those of our listeners who are married and to those who are, you know, in a relationship of any kind. um, For me, well, and you're going through it now, Thomas, where you like have all this planning going on and your wedding is not for a year out. We basically plan the whole wedding in three months and I could not have done it without Carter and Thomas helping out. So love you guys. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. (laughs) One noise. One noise. Um, So that was really exciting. Thomas, you've got some really cool stuff Um, going on. What's going on with you these days? Yeah, it's already announced it on Twitter, um, but I'm going to go to Yahoo Sports Canada as an intern position for a little bit. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah, we can talk for that. That's exciting. yeah, and then, uh, yeah, Ian doing the whistles thanks, in the background. I know what team it's I'm, for. That's why I'm whistling. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'll try to be uh, as objective as I could. We were hoping that you'd but, get the Brampton Beast beat. Yeah. But here we are. <laughs> Just take the YRT all the way up to. Uh, yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I'll be good. And then uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. I'll be doing Le- a lot of Leafs and NHL content, video, audio. Yeah. Writing. Going to places, interviews. Yeah. We're excited whatever. for you. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Carter and I obviously have known Thomas for a long time, and, and Thomas has been burping off the mic. <laughs> oh that goodness. was disgusting. <laughs> I don't even think I want to compliment you now. But you've been really working towards, um, you know, doing this, and it's yeah. all kind of coming together for you, which is great. Um, you had your first experience last night. It, it wasn't through Yahoo. It was technically through the school. Okay. But, yeah, so with through this... The my school's program, we were able to get um, three people at three different people. So this is my only game, but at the Leafs preseason games at home. Yeah. So I went last night, and it just happened to be the most insane night to go. Oh my! There and couldn't was, have been a more insane night given no, I know, things that like, transpired recently. The, like the biggest news of part, and obviously we're talking about the Austin Matthews situation. Uh, we won't go in depth in that, but. Uh, yeah, like, so just being around that was kind of insane because it was, everyone was on deck, like, everyone was there, the press box was full, no matter, like, at a preseason game against, like, the Canadians on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, like, I, I sat next to Paul McLean, former Ottawa Senators coach. I don't know what he was doing there, but... Does he still have the mustache? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good, yes. Uh, yeah. It's great but, news. <laughs> yeah, so it was, like... I don't know. It was um, it was wild just being in that dressing room and um, being in the scrum with Dubis and Austin as that's all going on and trying to grasp what's going on. But 
yeah, uh, it was an insane experience, and I guess I'll continue um, to have it. Yeah, with I'll be a little more like further away from the rink with Yahoo because Justin Cuthbert um, is now is got full season creds. Yeah, and he'll be doing a lot of that. But uh, yeah, I'll be there. You go full time. Very cool. Good for you, man. Yeah, Carter. Love it. What's been new with you, buddy? Um, the college hockey season starting up soon. Yeah. Um, so. Reminder for all of you guys, we're about to start talk, talking about the Fleming Knight slots. Yeah. Um, so had the first team meeting. Um, a lot of new faces, a lot of familiar faces. I think the best part about this time of year, though, is I start getting random emails from kids. I was thinking that we haven't received any, like, sizzle reels yet so this season, I, I but wanted to, they're coming, I know. I, I'm not going to mention this kid's name. <laughs> Please this, don't. This, <laughs> I get, an, I get an email. What's his address? <laughs> the, the email's two lines with a third line sent <laughs> no, from I my iPhone. To see this. Oh, okay. okay Hi, read it, but don't say his name. Hi, my name is X, yeah. and I'm a grade 10 hockey player looking to further my hockey career playing in college. I was looking to commit to play hockey at a college, and I'm looking for a guaranteed spot on a college team. Please get back to me soon. <laughs> sent from my iPhone. <laughs> so here's what I'll say. It's interesting that he's that young and is already like, I'm ready to commit to playing for a team in the Ontario College Athletic Association. <laughs> for yeah, one, not even just like- I commit to like Wisconsin. I get yeah. it. But I'm not so sure. I'm not crazy about it in Ontario. But uh, yeah, Carter and I, as you guys know, have been uh, coaching a hockey team now for the last couple of years. Uh, which has been a lot of fun. Um, Carter lets me basically do whatever I want on the power play. So Ian, I'll be asking for some uh, thoughts around a five forward power play. We tried it last year unsuccessfully. So if you've got any pointers, Ian, we'll, we'll get into it in a few minutes here. But it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it this year. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's always a fun time. And it's fun to be involved in that, um, in that regard. Like, it's fun to, like be behind the bench yeah. and see that see how the impact that you can have and like the the control that you can kind of have over the game yeah. from that standpoint, right? Well, and in your words, not mine. Yeah, you know, this will be the first one of the season. Are you fucking kidding me, ref? Oh yeah, no, that's a good one. I I, get, I like that one. <laughs> you get a little spicy I pretty look, early on. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty quiet guy, but I get spicy when the refs. I'm gonna take video this year and post it on the <laughs> Twitter because it'll it's so funny. I'm gonna get fired. Though. And I don't I don't like want to get in your way when you're like that. So I just sit at the other end of the bench. I know. I, I, almost, I almost grabbed a ref shirt last year. <laughs> skated by. It was, it was bad. bad. Hey Ian, you you were a ref, uh, like you were refing hockey and stuff at a younger age, weren't you? Yeah, I started when I was sixteen. I started refereeing youth hockey, and then I didn't work my way up too high because it got to the point where I wasn't enjoying it anymore. It, yeah. Once you started doing the higher levels, for me, it stopped being fun, and mm-hmm. it wasn't great money. So I, I just I stopped doing it, and I decided to paint with my dad in the summers to to help pay for college. That's not so bad. Have you had any new and exciting things go on this past summer? We'll do a quick life update with you as well. Oh, yeah. Every summer uh, for the last five summers, I've been working at a camp for kids with special needs. It's 
one of my favorite things. I, I did it five years ago because I wanted to try something new, and I've been in love with the place ever since. And I just they, they keep stealing me back for a few weeks. I couldn't go there for the entire summer this past summer because I had to write some stuff for the athletic, this, that, the other thing. But uh, yeah. I, I like being there as long as I can. So the goal for next year is to see if I can be up there all summer while I do some writing from the camp. The hard part is that we're in the middle of nowhere, so there's, yeah. like, no Wi-Fi. People are using, like, no, satellite no. phones, and it's still crappy reception. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you just, like, find the local Tim Hortons, and you're just, like, <laughs> getting some articles out. No, and I know um, when we met the first time, Ian, um, where, what event were we at, Thomas? Was it the athletic, one of the athletic, so, uh, something like, the subscriber room, parties? Think, right? Yeah, was that the rec room? Yeah. And I, I told you, like, you know, I've listened to your podcast, like, from very early on, and I think... That's a side of you that I think is is really cool is that you're so invested in doing that and spending that time uh, in the summer. And you know what it is? It is great to, to get away from the internet a little bit as well, which I'm sure is probably a welcome thing in your life when you get the chance to sign out for a bit. But I wanted to get started. Um, anytime we have a guest on, we always start the conversation with the same question and we'll just see kind of where we land. But how did you uh, become interested in hockey? How did you fall in love with it? Let's start from the beginning. Oh, wow. That takes us back to I would have been four years old, I think, at the time. I was uh, okay. I was like playing around with a ball or something in the basement. I forget what I was doing. And um, my dad was watching a game. It was the Leafs versus the Devils. This is back when Marty Brodeur was in net. Because I was born in 92. <laughs> I was born, okay. so this would have been in 96 then, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. And I fell in love with the sport ever since. I wanted to be a goalie. Uh, Marty Broder was my favorite goalie growing up. Also really liked Cujo when he was on the Leafs. Eddie Belfour, those were the guys. And, uh, That's awesome. Yeah, I started playing it when I was nine. Uh, I was goalie the first couple of years. I wasn't very good. And uh, I wanted to play forward because I got bored. One year, we came, when we came in first was my least favorite year. Because I didn't get to do anything. The puck was always on the other end. I was bored. Right. So you really were Marty Bruder. Yeah, no. I, more of a Dominic Hasek. I needed to be on yeah. a really bad team. You know, that was more yeah. of my element. I love it. So um, you're from Mississauga originally, right? Uh, still Mississauga, moving out this year to Toronto, yes. Whoa. Yeah, there you go. That would be a nice change for you. When you, were, when you were growing up, were your family predominantly Leafs fans? Or where, where did they sit? Oh, yeah. As Every, far as everybody that leads blue except uh, i got an uncle who's a flyers fan for some reason and another <laughs> uncle who's a montreal canadians fan and yeah we, we don't like either of them when it's hockey time <laughs> i love those like just an aside i love those little like trails of family that you could tell when they got into hockey yeah so flyers fan like probably Lindros, set, like lindros or, or even the 70s no it was like, the Broadway 70s boys. it was the broad yeah. street boys. Yeah. yeah and then like so i have like a bunch of friends that like grew up probably were like born in like the mid 80s and then now are like abs fans because of when they were like teenagers mm-hmm. i forget it's it like Sackick, forsberg yeah Blake, it's like Ray it's like Borg kind of like the cup yep. yeah it's like the whole like pulp culture theory of like whatever was in popular when you were 16 or when you were like 14 to 16 yeah is what you like the most that's why i'm a colts so, fan i had to pick a team well, during go. the 04 lockout because there was no hockey i'm like okay i need, I need to do something so I got into football, and, the and I, the Colts were the highest-rated team in NFL Street, so I just went with them. That's literally yeah. why I'm a Colts fan, <laughs> and there's an Andrew Luck jersey hanging up behind me right now. I, I, wore, oh, I wore it proud last Sunday. I went to watch the Browns-Rams game, and I wore the Andrew Luck jersey. Someone pulled me aside. They're like, hey, 
I respect you. That's this really <laughs> to wear that tonight. I'm like, hey, you got to represent, man. It, no, yeah. absolutely. Jacoby and like, that's your... pretty good, man. We're, we're looking yeah, good. absolutely. Why not? Thomas, you, you kind of hit the nail right on the head. And like we talked about it in earlier episodes that I don't remember when I became a Leaf fan, but I do remember loving Scott Mellonby and John Van Beesbrook yeah. and loving the Panthers because that was around the age that like I remember starting to fall in love with hockey. And it's <clears throat> it's weird because, you know, you cl- so closely identify with something. I know for me it was like the Panthers logo. I was like, man, you know, I was a kid, obviously. Yeah. I was like, this is way cooler than a Maple Leaf, so I'm going to cheer for this team. <laughs> yeah. That's probably why I have like a soft spot for the Canucks because like I was, I think I was 15 in, yeah, 2011 I was 15. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, no. That, did that make sense? I don't know if the math checks out there, buddy. I'm not going to fact check. But yeah, it does, actually. Holy shit. I had okay. a mighty ju- Ducks jersey when I was younger, and I was a yeah, big Paul every, Korea well, yeah. fan. Everybody yeah. loved Paul. I oh, have yeah. a Paul Korea figurine on my desk. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah, Paul Korea was the man. I blame now, the Flying V for that one. <laughs> when, you, uh, when you were playing goalie and, and things like that earlier, did you have a realization that, like, you know, goalie just wasn't going to work out for you and you and you moved to forward, or what did that look like? I mean, I was pretty good. I wasn't terrible. The, the hardest part was that I caught with my right hand. And uh, I know that's like, that makes me super weird, but I think it's league's fault for not providing right-handed gloves to kids who want to do it because I'm sure yeah. that if you gave yeah. more kids the option, more kids would do it. It's just every yeah. league only really has one set of right-handed gloves, so one kid gets it and everyone else is forced to use the left glove. At least that's yeah. the case for me because I couldn't afford equipment. I had to rent it from the league at first, and yeah. they had one glove, and I got it, and I was like, yes, thank God. Because <laughs> I've cool. tried it before. I've tried playing like ball hockey or, or whatever using the left-handed glove and the right blocker, and it, it feels completely backwards, and I just can't do it. So I still have the nice butterfly. I'll still, like, make a nice blocker save because it feels like my glove. But if, if, if you go high glove on me when I have a left-handed glove on, like, it's in. I'm not moving. <laughs> All right. Noted. Making that. <laughs> so do you have any, you know, kind of standout memories growing up? And, you know, you've, you've been writing um, – you know, writing hockey content and things like that for, for quite a while now. Do you remember when, you know, the, the switch kind of started to flip where, you know, you mentioned earlier that you were doing some refereeing. When did the, the writing start to kind of seep in a little bit to your fandom? Yeah, it's, I'm trying to think back to when I would have started with writing because I never wrote about hockey in my free time. I always just got obsessed with it and watched it all the time. And I was always on top of all the numbers and whatnot. Uh, I wasn't a part of the Corsi revolution until about 2014 when David Clarkson mm-hmm. and, and company forced me to take a good hard look in the mirror. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we've all been there. It's my origin story, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's true though. I don't, I don't, it's, it's funny. I remember specifically when they signed Clarkson and I texted my older brother and was like, we got Clarkson. I was and a fan of it at the time. And yeah, we've come a yeah. long way since then. Well, and I remember when they traded him. I'll mem- remember it like well, when they first traded him, not when they traded back for him. But That's a I remember, remember where you were moment, you know? No, it is. And yeah. I remember I was in my living room. Or not my living room, pardon me. My kitchen, which is, of course, near my living room. And I was making craft dinner. And I remember getting the message and looking at it and calling my brother and being like, we got Nathan Horton. <laughs> not the, He's uh, broken. Yeah, uh. not, not the Nathan Horton that, you know, had played for Boston. Because yeah. some of you guys know this about me. When I kind of had a bit of a falling out uh, of love for hockey, when I started to get back into it, 
I was really into the Bruins because I loved Lucic and actually had a Horton 18 jersey. No joke. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I've come around, obviously. So now you're a Flames fan. Now, yeah, die hard. Matthew Kachuk fan. Yeah, I got so much better. Yeah, Yeah, right? (laughs) But, uh, no, it's it's just kind of funny how, you know, how that kind of works out. But when did you start getting into kind of the more analytical side of the game, Ian, and, and how did that all come about? Yeah, no, what it really was, was uh, I think I, I, watching Moneyball and reading it was a big thing for me because I got into baseball analytics early on, not early on, but after the movie Moneyball came out from right around then, so that would have been around 2011, 2012, I got into baseball analytics for a few years, was reading you know, Jeff Sullivan at Fangraphs all the time and always on their website looking up the numbers and looking at Colby Rasmus's BABIP, you know, <laughs> all the good stuff. And, uh, and then I was on Grantland a lot because that was my favorite website of all time back when Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe were writing all the basketball stuff and Bill Barnwell doing the football stuff, Robert Mays. And I came across some uh, Down Goes Brown stuff, some Sean McIndoe because he was the yeah. hockey writer mm-hmm. for Grantland. And I started clicking on some things. I'm like, huh, the, the disastrous 2013 offseason where they signed David Clarkson. Because I was thinking, at the time, I thought it was a good signing. But last year went pretty crappy. So let, let me read this and see what it says. And then I started yeah. learning more about how, oh, when you're on the ice and you're allowing a lot of shots that's like in scoring chances, that's really, really bad. And no, a high shooting percentage and high save percentage isn't going to repeat itself. And I just I started learning more about the game, and I really liked all the analytics and whatnot. I started learning more about it. I started tweeting at people, and when Travis Yost responded to me for the first time, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, he actually noticed me. Like, wow, I'm a nobody. I had, like, 20 followers at the time. And uh, you remember stuff like that. And then it's funny. And then I... Uh, when I really got into the writing, I would have to say is I've been a member of Leafs Reddit ever since I started the podcast in 2016. So that yeah. was the January of the tank season. So like Brad Boys, Rich Clune, uh, five games of Milan McCulloch. Yeah, that was the <laughs> yeah. Uh, end of an era. Oh, man. <laughs> but, uh, no, but it's true, We started a podcast though. that year. Yeah, we started the podcast that year for about a year. And then a year later, I was living in Milan. So long story short, one of the campers that I've worked with in the summer, it would have been my second summer in 2016, he came to camp from Italy. Like the, his parents literally flew him over to come to this camp for kids with, um, he had autism personally, but we have kids who have ADHD, Down syndrome, gotcha. really any kind of special needs and whatnot. But right. they didn't have anything like that in Italy. So his parents right. brought him over to, to Canada, to Ontario. They tried out this camp, and I was with him 24-7 because he never wanted to do his activity. I mean, he, if it was time to be on the beach, he'd be up playing hockey, and then I'd be like, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll switch into hockey for next activity. Nope, now he's on right. the beach playing in the sandbox. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm just going to be hanging out <laughs> with this guy 24-7. It's going to be great. So we had a really good rapport. I met his family when they picked him up, and they said, uh, oh, if you ever need a place to stay when you're in Milan, ha, ha, ha. But then a week later, they actually emailed me and said, hey, uh, we, we can provide you a room. We can, uh, we'll give you uh, money and food if you come and help facilitate stuff with Nico. You're so good with him if you want to help him take into him activities, playing with friends and whatnot. Oh, my god! And I was thinking, man, I'm in my young 20s and I have a chance to go live in Milan on my own and do this. That, yes. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And then when I was in Milan, I had a ton of free time because I was only with Nico for about four or five hours in the afternoon. So imagine being in a foreign country, in a foreign city where you're only really working four or five hours a day. I'm like, well, crap, what do I do with all my time? Of course I went out. Of course I did all the young 20-year-old stuff. It was great. It was awesome. It's a fun city. But I also had a ton of free time. 
and I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do. Do I go exercise? I was planning on exercising. Instead, <laughs> instead I just sat on my ass and ate pasta. But it was <laughs> As one does. Yeah, when in Rome. We've all been planning on exercising for years. <laughs> yeah. And um, I had a lot of free time, and I'm like, you know what? I'm watching the Leafs a lot. I'm just going to write some stuff on Reddit for fun, because why not? I, I like this stuff. I do a podcast about it. Why not try, like, a little, you know, jot noty article kind of thing? And yeah. I started doing more of them, and people were appreciating them. On Reddit, we call it OC, you know, original content. And people were, like, right. really supportive of it. They liked it. I put a lot of effort into this one power play piece where I was talking about the 1-3-1 formation and, you know, what Marner does to break down the defense versus what Nylander and Matthews do. Very similar to the first piece I actually wrote for The Athletic. So um, a few of my friends were like, hey, this is really good. And then Jeff Vayette reached out to me. And he was like, hey, do you want to write that, the stuff you're doing on Reddit but do it, you know, at, at the Leafs Nation? And, I said, yeah, that sounds really cool. So I did that for about a year. And then uh, James Myrtle DMs me and he, he's like, hey, I've been liking your pieces. Do you want to pitch us some stuff? Because like, we'd love to have stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I've been basically pitching him stuff ever since. It's been going well. I've been writing a high PDO. So hopefully, hopefully <laughs> it doesn't come crashing back down like David Clarkson. We'll see what happens. That's a cool story, man. I think for a lot of people, you know, we hear from people. And, and I mean, we were those people not that long ago that were you know, like, how do I start this thing? Right. And, you know, we just celebrated 50 episodes a little while ago now. And, you know, when Carter and I started even before Thomas joined the the podcast full time, you know, you kind of go through this thing where you're like, I want to do it. And I I think I've got something of value to say, but you know, it's, it's, it's admirable that you were able to, to kind of just put yourself out there. Um, Leafs Reddit. Uh, I, I'm a subscriber as well. I don't know if you boys uh, dabble in the Reddit no, at all. But I, I used to. I used to, I used to yeah. a lot. I haven't done it as much in the last yeah. year or so, mainly because of just time constraints. But I, I really sure. want to get back into it. I did an AMA there, uh, I want to say, right. a couple weeks ago. I, yeah. It's funny. It shows the worst week for it because I told them well in advance. Like, yeah, let's pick that date and I'll stick to that date. And then yeah. uh, three days before it, my friends are like, hey, let's book a weekend to Montreal. And I'm like, well... I'm not going to say no to that. That sounds fun. No, of but course I, not. I spent all day on Saturday on my phone responding to stuff on Reddit. I, I loved it. My friends didn't. but I like it. There you go. So you've been writing some pieces at The Athletic for the last little while now. You've been doing the podcast for a while as well. How has the podcast changed from when you started it to where you are now? Uh, it used to suck, and, and now I think it's half decent. But <laughs> um, I think when we first started it, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. It was just me and my buddy talking hockey, me and Theo. The running joke is that, you know, Theo couldn't make it this week because ever since about the end of year one of the podcast, Theo has... Is, doesn't exist anymore. He's, he's Although the episodes with Theo are a real treat, I will say that because it's like, and Theo's actually here today. And so. you're like, wait, what? Half, the, <laughs> half of my listeners are like, Theo's a real person? And it's, yeah, no, true. <laughs> I pick up a lot of listeners like here and there, and then people are like, oh, I've been listening for the last six months. And wait, Theo's real? I'm like, yeah, he'll go six months without being on an episode. <laughs> he claims to be a very busy guy, but like, I know he's not. I know he has free time on Sundays. Sundays. Like, he's Theo. Come on. Has anyone when here he met were, him or no? He Sometimes he comes to the events. I think Thomas may have met I, him. Maybe. He does exist. Maybe. I'm trying to prove to people that he exists. I think it might have been a random pop talks. But, yeah. Like, yeah. The running joke is that ago. he's just you, a figment of my imagination. I'm basically fighting You club. wouldn't know her. She he's, goes to a different school. <laughs> 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 That's a good example. <laughs> yeah. So as far as the format goes, um, when did it start to get a little bit... Because I guess it, from the beginning, there was like an analytical kind of 
side of the content, but was there a conscious decision for it to be specifically uh, like, like kind of integrating analytics a little bit more? Like the one thing that I admire about the podcast and um, as someone who is kind of on the sidelines to a lot of analytical conversation, I think you make it very easy and digestible for people who are maybe not as either interested in it or just may not know a lot about it. Is that, you know, a conscious decision that you made from the beginning just to, you know, have it be digestible for people, you know, of all skill levels and understanding levels? I really appreciate that you said that because that has been a big goal of mine over the last, I want to say, year or two. I've been trying really hard to do that because yeah. I feel like when I first started, the mistake I made was that I assumed that everyone listening knew what I was talking about. Uh, yeah. And then I get overly technical. And I was also, I don't know how to describe it, but you know how there's this, uh, I don't know what the right word is, this feeling that you get when you're on analytics Twitter of an air of superiority sometimes or people talking yeah. down to people sometimes. I feel, like I, I feel like I really had that back in the day. Yeah. I feel like I really had that in 2016, 2017. I'm like, you think Brent Seabrook's good? Well, you must be an idiot. And I'm like, <laughs> a great way to engage in a conversation, Ian. Like, yeah, yeah you're really going to get somewhere talking. It still, it still happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. it does. And sometimes, yeah. guess what? Like, when we get frustrated, when we're drinking a, and we send out a tweet on a Friday night or a Saturday night, like, guess what? Like, sometimes I, I send a tweet that I regret an hour later. I'm like, did you really need to say that, Ian? But then again, <laughs> yeah, but I don't take back what I said about the Mitch Marner contract. So I no, mean, my fine. mentions that day, I just stopped looking at my phone. I'm like, no, you know what? I will. I can sleep happy tonight knowing I'm right. So <laughs> <laughs> I think with with a lot of that stuff, though, is, you know, there's there's, you know, these events and especially now there's there's conferences and all of these different things to try and. You know, I always thought it was a little backhanded in a way where some of the people in that community are, are maybe not as friendly as they could be at times, but yet there's like a yearning for people to attend these conferences and continue to have these dialogues. And sometimes, you know, uh, as an, not an outsider to that community, but as someone who's maybe not as involved in it as other people I know, it seems a little strange that it's, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, come on, like be a part of this. but. Not if that's your opinion. Yeah. There's the door. Yeah. And, and that to me. Can I, just, can I, I use know, an example? Because I feel like yeah, you're afraid please. to use examples. But I, I, I mean, if, if you're being rude to people, you're being rude to people. Like, for 100%. example, Garrett Hole, I think, is a brilliant mind. I think he's one of my favorites when it comes to when he tweets something about hockey. I'm interested. I'm very interested. But for the longest Definitely. time, his pinned tweet on Twitter was, if you use plus minus, your, your opinion doesn't matter or something like right. that. And I'm just like, that's very condescending and not nice. And guess what? I used to use plus minus. I used to think it was important because mm -hmm. guess what? We're, we're on the same page. We, we think that goal differential matters. And it does. That's all that matters at the end of the day. But yeah. plus minus isn't predictive of that. It's not even mm -hmm. descriptive of that. It's just a mm -hmm. bad stat. But they're coming at it from the right angle. They're just using the wrong number. And I don't want to yeah. talk down just, to someone for doing that, you know? Yeah, it's just a number that, like, lacks context. Well, it, kind of plus in. minus is, like, accessible analytics. Like, it's... Yeah, but then, and then you just turn into that, like, even strength goals for percentage, and then... Yeah, yeah. or just could, even yeah. strength goal differential. Like, hey, you're well, plus, exactly. plus three just, on the air. Like, hey, at least that's accurate. He is plus three yeah. at five on five. But yeah, I feel like the plus minus, though, like, if we're getting into, like... 
that's like what that's the if you're looking at a stats chart like a public facing yeah. stats chart like on like a roster sheet yeah that's the only thing that stands out as an outlier and I feel like I, that is like I, your but I think the penalty minutes with, doesn't matter if anything it's a negative and people yeah. treat it like a positive but that's, but yeah. I think the thing with plus <laughs> minus true, yeah. is like it's just lacking context no no absolutely but well, what yeah. I'm saying is it's like the accessibility tool that gets yeah like it, 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 it does things. it is the one like part that isn't like super individual yeah where like I guess assists and like obviously goals aren't Mm -hmm. individual but it's more designated for that player would you mind if I touched on something you asked earlier just because I feel like it's a really good point with uh, the analytics community because it's funny we talk about this analytics community but it actually is a physical community that like I've met and I've had beers with these people for Mm -hmm. like two weeks ago I was in Rochester Um, I don't I'm, I'm trying not to drink anymore instead I'm just being DD because I feel like that's better for me, my health and whatnot. <laughs> so but nice. That's okay, buddy. I yeah. still hang out with the people who are drinking, and then I'll have like a, a, a Red Bull or something. I'll be like, okay, see, now, now I'm energetic too. We're good. <laughs> and you get to pick the best appetizers. Exactly. That's yeah. And a lot of the times, like, you get like a free drink or something, like a free Coke or a oh, free oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. 100%. So I was the DD for like a decade and I'd just go right to the bartender and be like, veggie nachos and whatever you've got for the DD. And they're like, my man, let me make it happen for you. Also, so then you're people's best friends because when they need to get home at night, they're like, hey, Ian, uh, you want to give me a lift across the street? I'm like, of course, of course. Anytime, yeah. Just buy me a drink. But, uh. Like you got gas money or... <laughs> So but, how um, was Rochester when you were there? It was a lot of fun. And what I wanted to point out was that there are a few people in the community that are super nice and super accepting. And I feel mm-hmm. like we should really be praising their work. Like, for example, Sean Tierney is just yeah. my favorite oh, yeah. dude in the world. Big At fan. charting hockey. Really great guy. There's a lot of really nice people in that community yeah. that if you met them in person, even if you despised them on Twitter, you'd like them in person. Because well, it's even like... They're people. People are friendly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, the, that's kind of the weird thing, too, is that you see some of the exchanges that happen, and I go, I know you're nice. Well, like, it, like Twitter's a different thing. Like, I'm... So I'm a patron for Hockey Viz, like a Blake McCurdy site. Yeah. And we he recently, like, got a Discord. So, like, a, just a big group chat. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I was able to talk back, like, with him about, like random other stuff and he's so welcoming where I'm just like everyone in that chat a lot of them are like math majors like legit like yeah. professors on like that level like they took math beyond yeah. grade 10 and then yeah exactly. <laughs> I feel you I was not hey, one of those people I'll go in the chat and be like I took university math so okay. don't worry guys yeah. advanced, functions yeah. Functions yeah. advanced functions advanced yeah. functions <laughs> um, that's like what Carter took in high school and I was like dude you need to drop that class it's ruining our friendship but, but yeah that whole like discord is so welcoming like to everyone no matter yeah. what like they'll it's just like I don't know there's there are of course you said like some people that are more just on like the gatekeeper kind of uh, well, urge, and, and, yeah, and that's and what we get so frustrated with on the other end of the spectrum when it comes to, you know, the quote-unquote 200 hockey band who are like, no, we oh, refuse yeah. to listen. Oh. Our biggest problem is people They're who refuse worse. to listen to other ideas. But a lot yeah. of the times I find that nerds like ourselves tend to be unwilling to listen to some things because, oh, yeah. there's no evidence for this that we have. But well, wait, mm-hmm. what if exactly. we tried to measure it somehow? Maybe there would be, you know? Well, exactly. Like when I started getting into more of the stats and – kind of the advanced part of it, like, I went super to the extreme where, like, I wouldn't take any of the video into context. I wouldn't 
come, I would say like numbers are numbers. That's yeah. what it's coming to. That's the results. I measured by Corsi and, and I said that yeah. Yeah, the best player in the league, the worst player in the league. Like, cause I yeah, thought that's like, what it was when I first got into it. Yeah. Or even just like, Oh, there's like, there's a war. Okay. Perfect. Done. And then it's like, okay, but that's like, that's again, descriptive. Like you were mentioning earlier. And like, so, but also like taking into context of more of the videos. So now like for the past year or a bit, I've been like taking, diving deep into more of like what the play-by-play says and then like, okay, what does that uh, contribute to their war? And like, okay, are they entering the zone? Like all the microstats. So it's more of like kind of finding a balance for mm-hmm. both. And there, there's early episodes of Hosers if you listen back when Thomas first came on. And I was I was a fucking prick. Where Chris and I would like scrap with Thomas because Thomas was like this is what the numbers say. Yeah, <laughs> there were. Like, and I, I, I will still say that. Like yeah. I'll still say like Roman Yossi is overrated. Okay. But, well, let's not say things that we can't take back. <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> like yeah, and it's just like it's. But it's all take, conversational it's all, though. Yeah, and that's, I'm not, and I'm not the ones that's like oh like. This is, says this, so then therefore he's a bad player. Right, but it's also can, like context too. Yeah. So like you know when you guys mentioned the gatekeeping thing, that's not like exclusive to hockey. Like the the other side of it for me is is that I when I you know started to dive into analytics and started to have an understanding of it, um, and, and I'm in a comfortable place with it now where I was like you kind of dove in a little bit too quickly too fast and didn't really understand what it was that I was looking at. I feel like it's going to be that with anything, you know, when you're first learning something, you're going to learn about it and you're going to be wrong about a bunch of stuff. Absolutely. And I'm sitting there and I remember last season watching a Leafs game and in my left hand, I've got hockey abstract and I'm going through the book (laughs) looking at these different things. And in my right hand, I have, you know, a cup of coffee and my, my now wife looks at me and goes, can't you just watch the game? And, and I know that, you know, that's, uh, you know, a, a bit of a hot, not a hot take, lukewarm take, I'd say, from the 200 hockey men is just watch the game and enjoy what you're watching. I have found actually where I, I will, when I'm watching hockey, I will try my best to not go on Twitter at all until after the game. So I'm taking it in in the moment and coming up with my own opinions rather than reading, oh, well, Thomas Williams says this, so fuck, he must be right. You know, does that sound no, weird? No, the right. problem is what, as soon as you learn how the sausage is made, like yeah. that's when it all starts to come apart. And that's, like, for me, like, it sounds weird because I was always, I never paid attention to any of the analytics or anything like that. I mm-hmm. loved just watching hockey. Um, and I tried to get into it, and it was very... Um, there was, like, a huge barrier to entry for me. Like, I just didn't get it. Well, like, I think part of that, too, is is that because you played hockey at such a high level, it's not like you were rolling into Sudbury Wolves camp and they were like, let's talk about Fenwick. Yeah. <laughs> you know like a little, little, like so, guys, uh, shooting percentage kid. regression, lecture number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, no... But, and I think maybe you look through it at that lens because you did play hockey at such a high level and then maybe that wasn't a, a priority or the way yeah. that they viewed it then and that's kind of stuck and with it, you. It just maybe. wasn't, it wasn't a thing. And then once, like, we started doing this, I tried my, like, hardest to get into it and I couldn't because, it, like, it wasn't clicking for me and then I would try to, like, 
go to different hockey forums and stuff, and everyone was like such an ass. And well, and I think when we had Corey Snyder on very so early on in, in the podcast, that I think was a switch for you. And that exactly. And so I was about to bring up Corey Snyder because he had his successful entries. Yeah, and successful entries because that was one thing that that's a, like a mix of a video zone and entries. Like, and I was yeah. like, oh, that makes that sense. That like with like, possession. Like, yeah. yeah, my light bulb went. I was like, that's practical analytics for me. Yeah, and this guy's nice, and this is like <laughs> he is. He's a very nice. He loves between the parent and me. And yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. And that was that. Op- I'm still very, very like high level, like junior analytics, like yeah. the way I like am able to intake and everything like that. Yeah. But like that was, I think it is like for people that are getting into it, like in, in a way is like finding that connectivity or like that connective tissue that like makes it practical and understandable mm-hmm. and it still doesn't like ruin it. Like you don't peek behind the curtain, like the curtain and see Oz like, yeah. And I think for you too, like I remember it's, it's, you know, back to the, the team that Carter and I coach, you know, we talk about, you know, what a good zone entry looks like versus a bad one, you know, special teams, penalty kill, whatever. And I remember one time Carter was like, all right, you're in the zone. You chip it into the corner. And I was like, we fucking talked about this. We're not doing that anymore. I was like, you go, if you have the puck, you, you keep the puck on your stick. You'll have a way better chance of getting a shot off. And he's like, okay, you're right. We did talk about this. So, but, it's funny. But I've from- coached too. And we've had like similar discussions. Me and my dad, I really wanted to have our two best puck carriers as our centers. Whereas yeah. he was thinking, no, oh, they're kind of small. And I'm thinking like, it's not going to matter when they have the puck all the time. <laughs> yeah, and even there are things that we've been able to implement, even as as guys that are not as heavily into it as like Thomas's, for example. But you know, there is uh, I don't know a year, year and a half ago, I was DMing back and forth with Ryan Stimson about this idea of having the power play ran behind the back of the net rather than kind of a traditional like That's umbrella his setup. Thing. He loves, he loves that. it, and yeah. he loves it. And and him and I were going back and forth on it, and we tried it, and a couple times it worked, but most of the time. Hey. It didn't. <laughs> Last night, Marner in the Matthews. Yeah. Marner did exactly that. But we had like our best skater who happened to be a defenseman. We're like, okay, so normally you're going to set up this way, but I need oh. you to set up behind the net. And a lot of these kids who have played, you know, at a pretty decent level to this point in their life, uh, they couldn't fathom it. They're like, well, why would we, why would we ever do that? And we're kind of drilling it into their head. We're like, no, try this, try this. And of course, some of them, you know, were able to deal with that ambiguity and, and, and change and learn on the fly. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't. When were you doing coaching and stuff like that, Ian? How does that factor into the equation it, it here? It wasn't at a high level at all. It was um, when I stopped playing hockey. Uh, I, my grades dropped a bit heading in grade 11. So I stopped playing in grade 12 so that I could up my grades right before university. And uh, I had a lot of more free time. Excuse me. I had a lot more free time because I wasn't playing hockey. It wasn't as much practice. And my dad didn't have anything to do anymore because he'd been coaching me for like the last 10 years. Right. So my mom was like, okay, you need to go coach the little guys again because you started with him when he was nine. Like go find some, some seven, eight year olds and, and coach them because you're really good at that. So he went down yeah. and he coached this team of what was supposed to be eight year olds, but was mostly seven year olds because the organization couldn't get enough eight year olds. And we had the worst team in the league and it was, it was all for fun. <laughs> it was the lowest level. It was just for fun. But uh, yeah, I've been though. doing that ever since I, w- I was 17 and I did it for about five or six years. I stopped it, I want to say 2015 is when I stopped it, but yeah. it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. 
just being in the rink is a lot of fun. And I know for me, like, I'm a bit of, like, a concession stand guy. So, like, I just like oh. being in the rink. And I like getting fries with gravy. Oh, and how many BLTs we've had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too many. So, with, with all of that said, like, where do you think the next... Um, like what's what's the next evolution of analytics look like in your mind Ian and and how do you intend on bringing that uh, to not only Leafs Geeks but also the podcast that you have with Rachel Dory what does that look like in the future for you guys yeah because it's interesting because I feel like there are two different goals when it comes to what I would call the data scientists are doing uh, trying to come up with different models to have better predictions of uh, future goals and whatnot versus my goal is to help communicate some of this cool new info in a way that's easy to understand. So I really have to follow their lead and what they do with the new information. But I think whatever becomes public of the player tracking is going to be very interesting. The hard part is that I know it's not going to be a big data dump. So it's not like right. the league's just going to give all the data, like here's a, a billion mm, data yeah. points that you can download. They're not going to do that. They're going to have it sortable on their own website, kind of like the way NBA.com does. But I think that there could still be some very interesting things that come from that. Or even just with player tracking, you could get accurate shot location data. I don't mm -hmm. think people realize how much of a game changer that's going to be because now all yeah. of a sudden that shot that was listed as being from the top of the circle that but was actually from the crease or vice versa. You know, sometimes a shot is labeled as having come from the goal line when really it was from the middle of the slot. It's just like, how did you miss that? How are you so oh, yeah. off on that? It's not super common, but it happens and it's frustrating. And it's part of the reason that expected goals actually aren't significantly more predictive than Corsi. If you do some certain things with it, with uh, implementing rebounds and whatnot, the way that moneypuck.com does, you can make expected goals slightly more predictive than Corsi. But when you think about it, they should be way more predictive because there's so much more information in there. The reason right. that it isn't super predictive is because the information isn't super reliable. Sometimes it's a bit off. So I feel like if we could get shot location data, if we could get just the information of was there a pass before the shot and where did that pass come from? That would be mm -hmm. a complete game changer to expected goals and that yeah. would make it the stat in my opinion. So well, even, even just like the player position, like you'll have with the shot, you'll have where the player players are on the ice. So that'll affect the expectancy of the shot going in. Like if there's someone in their way, someone pressuring all the spacing and um, it'll then affect it that way. And what I've like noticed a lot is going into all the NHL, like the raw NHL play by play data, it's like insane of how just basic it is. Like the all, each shot, each shot attempt is just listed X Y X axis on the ice and then just like feet away from the net. Yeah. And then just like shot miss or like block shot or whatever. Yeah. Definitely. That's it. We've That's been like, doing so that. much with so little for the last yeah. ten years. Yeah. And uh, this new information that we're getting that you know leagues like the NBA have had forever. They're finally catching up and they're finally using the technology that they probably probably should have been using a decade ago. Well yeah, like I so I attended um, a quick thing oh, I forget who put it on but it was um, Bobby Webster and, and Kyle Dubas were and Ellie Freeman hosted it it was this quick panel um, this like lunch of just using data in sports and then Webster went on and was like the one thing that people don't realize in the NBA is like how many actual data points are in each game so like they have cameras in every arena for every game so a like 48 minute long 
game they have about it's like three million data points yeah i was gonna say so the number of like, frames per second yeah it's, it's like every little frame is taken so it's every tr- everything is tracked everything's spaced so like a player's offensive rating defensive rating like vorp all that stuff is just calculated kind of more accurately where the nhl it's about like the public NHL play-by-play data is about 300 a game. Right. Yeah. So it's, like, significantly less. Player, Tulski was talking about that. Yeah, on the full 60 with Craig Cousins. Yeah, that was good. Available on The Athletic, uh, for the record. Hey, it's on Apple Podcasts today. Again? They, yeah, they put it back. On. Okay. Yeah. I, so I love all The Athletic podcasts, Ian, but not feedback for you, but feedback for The Athletic. I'm not crazy about how it sorts in the app oh that yeah so hopefully they work on that I'm sure if you if you tweet at someone uh, like you might be able to get a response yeah they, you know what's funny <laughs> just is, go bother Myrtle no they, yeah <laughs> we'll see what he says but um, yeah it, and that's that's kind of an, an, an interesting you know piece there too is to Ian's point like we have done so much with so little like what is that going to look like how is that going to impact sports betting and gambling and what you know how cool it, is it that you know that we're not far from a future where you'll be able to place like prop bets and stuff like that in the moment right and I think does Lonnie score on this power play from Finland <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get I mean, into with that s- release I mean I think I think he can score. <laughs> yeah. we'll see see how he's feeling he'd have to put down the Fortnite controller but uh <laughs> well we're gonna get into some like kind of current news uh in the next couple of minutes here but before we did that um, wanted to just quickly touch on you writing for the Athletic Minnesota and what that's going to look like, Ian. Yeah, so I know uh, Michael Russo reached out to Myrtle asking if it would be okay if he, you know, used me for... I, I don't know what the, the goal is. I think we're going to do about three or four articles a month, like maybe one a week, and see where it goes, see if there's a demand for it, see if people like it. I did my first one on Jason Zucker because I was thinking, okay, if I need to write about the Minnesota Wild, I need to go with something I really know really well because I haven't watched, watched a lot of their games, but there are yeah. a few players I know really well. I'm like, well, I know Spurgeon really well. I know I know Zucker really well. And I'm like, well, what can I say about Zucker that's kind of sexy? I'm like, well, I thought he was bad last year, and I think he's going to do really good this year. I feel like that's yeah. pretty sexy. You know, like he's, he's going to do way better than a lot of people think. This guy's good. I can't Absolutely. believe they almost traded him. Thank God that they got yeah. rid of Paul Fenton because that would have been – it would have been the Nino Niederreiter trade 2.0. You know, you just we don't really don't... talk about Minnesota too much on the podcast, but what are some, some things that you're looking forward to uh, to writing about? Are there some bright spots on the team that you're looking forward to, to talking about a little bit more this upcoming season? So one of the things I'm not looking forward to is watching the Minnesota Wild play hockey. But, uh... Well, <laughs> that's a given. Yeah, they're what a very uh, defensive-oriented team, but I'm actually kind of fascinated to look at how their defense is structured, getting a really close look at it from a tactical perspective, because over the last three years, they've consistently had the best shot quality against when it comes to limiting dangerous opportunities from in tight. And I want to know, how do they do that? Because that's what every coach wants their team to do, but Minnesota's the best at actually accomplishing it. So I'd love to know, how are they making life easier on their goalie? How are they taking away passing lanes? When they have a three-on-three situation. Why is it that the other team has no chance of getting to that high slot area? Mm -hmm. It's something that the coaches have done a wonderful job of over the last few years. I'm wondering if it's largely personnel-based because Ryan Suter, when he was in Nashville, had a very similar phenomenon with him and Shea Weber. Now Ryan Suter in Minnesota, similar thing. When he's on the ice, the other team's not getting very many chances from in tight. So is it a player thing? Is it a systems thing? Is it a combination of both? I'm really looking forward to writing that piece because it's it's been a question of mine for years. 
can you please do something on Miku Koivu just being like the best defensive player of all time? Yeah, like he probably should have won the last couple of Selkies <laughs> if the award was actually based on what it what it yeah. says it is. But we all know that the Selkie is best defensive forward who had at least seventy points. Who had yeah. So yeah. if that's the if that's what the award is actually for, then it's, it's, it's not, still a crime that Mark yeah. Stone didn't win it this past year. Yeah. Because uh, or Couturier. Couturier needs one. My my, yeah. uh, my my prop bet this year is that Couturier is going to win the Selkie this year. How do you how do you think a guy like Matthew Dumba can uh, you know improve this year over last year? I mean, barring injuries and things like that, he's for me one of the most fascinating players on that back end. You know what? I think I need to watch more tape before I make a uh, an educated opinion on it. But I know that he provides a lot of value with his scoring ability from the blue line. He has one of the best shots in the NHL among defensemen. And I know that we joke like, hey, you don't want your defenseman taking shots from the blue line, but even when you adjust for the location of where he shot it from, like, for example, if he takes a shot in the slot versus Miko Koivu taking a shot in the slot, it's much more likely to go in if Dumba takes that shot. And sure. That has value. We're going to see yeah, it this definitely. year with Tyson Berry in Toronto. I mean, we've seen it with Eric Carlson and Brett Burns. Points are often overrated, but if you can beat goaltenders clean, that's a repeatable skill that has tons of value in the game. I feel like it's something that's actually weirdly undervalued. Brandon Peary is signing to league minimum contracts, even though he's one of the best pure shooters in the league. That doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense to me. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, there's a lot of interesting stuff to write about in Minnesota that people don't realize is interesting because the team is so boring to watch. Yeah. But there's some underlying stuff there that's fascinating because they're super boring because Miko Koivu is amazing. You know, that's kind of the, the point. Another thing that I was thinking about with Minnesota, and, and this might be kind of a weird topic to bring up, but they don't have very many right-handed forwards. And I know that might sound a little bit weird, but I, I was... okay there, Mike Babcock. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Well, I didn't say anything about them not having any good, you know, real good pros. Let's be real here. But I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you think handedness factors in at all for a team like that that needs an offensive punch? I feel like when you're looking for goals as much as the Minnesota Wild are going to be looking for goals, that you can't care too much about handedness. Does that player put mm-hmm. the puck in the net? Do they also provide a bit of defense? Uh, if they don't provide defense, that's fine. We need goals. I feel like that needs to be the message this year because they just didn't score last year. They were really bad offensively. They were the best defensive team in the league, and they missed the playoffs by a, a considerable margin because they were so poor offensively. So that definitely They're- needs to be something that they uh, fix for next year. And their prospect pool is a little scary, too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was really happy with the Matthew Boldy pick, but they don't have a lot really in the system either. I still and hold I, that um, Kirill Kaprizov is our team <laughs> Panarin 2.0. Yeah. I was so. just going to say, hopefully, you know, that they'll, they'll be able to have Kaprizov come over maybe at some point. We'll see. They have his rights. So, I mean, if he ever decides that he does want to come over, we've seen that. Um, who was that player who came over and New Jersey traded for him? Nikita Gusev. Gusev he yeah. was someone who was drafted in the seventh round and his rights got traded as if they were nothing. Yeah. And that yeah. drove me crazy because I'm like, no, when he decides to come over, he's yours. And he yeah. has to sign an entry-level contract and he'll be a superstar in an entry-level contract. That has ridiculous value. Even if there's a 10% chance of him coming over, you want to hold on to that asset. And Tampa Bay traded away like it was nothing. Vegas traded yeah. away like it was nothing. And I'm thinking, no, I think this guy could be a star player. You don't trade away that asset. So. Yeah. For me, he's the most underrated asset in the NHL right now because no one knows who he is, and he could be a superstar when he decides to come over. I feel maybe not to the I like listen, I'm not about to per, I'm not prepared to compare Nikita Gusev to a guy like Ilya Mikheyev 
Now, <laughs> given that... I think we, they're the exact same player. Person. Well, yeah, maybe. Given that, uh, you know, we uh, are really lucky to be associated with TLN, we do have to make our way into some Leaf talk, which I think will be up your alley a little bit here. I don't think we talk enough about the Leafs. No, I feel the same way. Glad glad we're on the same page that way. Now, out of curiosity, do you have any thoughts around uh, how the preseasons look? Do you have an optimal lineup you're hoping uh, gets announced in the next little bit here with with some final cuts. Where where are you at with that at this point? I think the theme of the of the preseason for Toronto has to be Rasmus Sandin because he's just looked incredible. I would argue that he's been their best defenseman all around, all things considered. Yes, he's been in sheltered minutes, but I mean the veterans aren't trying that hard. To be fair, I mean Jake Muzzin is just such a pro out there, just kind of like, am I gonna skate in the corner and get that puck? Like, no, Tyson Berry, go get it. <laughs> Absolutely, one of my favorite things where I'm just like, you don't need to try in this game. Like, have the other guys skate for it. But among the players who are trying, Rasmus Sandin, his vision, his just, he's a heady hockey player. I don't know how to describe it because when we're talking about hockey IQ, it's usually just something we throw out as a last resort when we don't know how to describe a player. So we just go, yeah, Sam Reinhart, why do you like him? Ah, you know, good hockey IQ, you know? But yeah. he actually does have incredible hockey IQ. When he has the puck on him and he's under pressure, he'll hold on to it for that extra second so that his player can skate in open space, boom, sends him a nice little pass. It's like a little dump off, a little screen pass with tons of space to operate. He's really good at drawing that extra defender. He just mm-hmm. makes smooth passes underneath. He takes away space in the neutral zone. There was this little one-handed stick lift he had on Dale Weiss where it didn't even look like he was coming at him, but he stuck out the stick, lifted it, took the puck, quick reversal to his partner, and boom, you're back up the ice. Mm-hmm. He looks so advanced to me at age at 19. It's impressive because when you look at players in the NHL, they, they peak a lot earlier than people tend to think. And defensemen, when they're ready, they're ready. I mean, at age 19, Drew Doughty was pretty amazing. P.K. Subban, age 20, was pretty amazing. So with Rasmus Sandin, I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the year he is, how do I word this, better at 5-on-5 than someone like Tyson Berry because I just think he's such a good puck mover. I don't think he's going to have the power play value that someone like Tyson Berry has. I don't think he's going to have the dynamic offensive ability. But I think when he, with his two-way game, he reminds me a lot of my boy Travis Dermott. And yeah. I feel like with the addition of Sandin, the Leafs just added potentially a top-four defenseman for free. They're going to get another one coming back when Dermott returns from injury. And then, hey, maybe Cody Ceci doesn't need to play in the top four. That would be great. Yeah, I think, I think that's the whole thing right now. Because it's, like, it's not, not to be like armchair GM right now. but uh, Well, that's weird because you are in an armchair. So. Yeah, I'm <laughs> resting my arms. Uh, there's, uh, with like, if you want to like burn Sandin's year, and I think it's easy to say that he'll play his, the first nine games and then we'll see from there what like nine games of actual NHL action looks like. But um, with that and then Dermot coming back, it's 12 to 14 games in, maybe have three games that will be terrible to watch with Ben Harper playing. Um, but after that, then have him down with the Marlies again and kind of see how this season goes. And if he's kind of, if you want to get the value of out of him in this year, or you want to kind of sustain it more long-term and get that pseudo extra year of his country. Uh, Are you ready for ELC? some galaxy brain takes? Yes. Yeah. Is it not better to burn a year of ELC than to not burn it? Because then you can get the player to their next contract faster okay. before that they've established a body I've, work. It helps you with yes. the second contract, I've, but you lose a year of ELC, which is arguably the best asset in the NHL. So I've tweeted about this with, of course, total, totally offside because he 
will nonstop talking about Our this. sweet, sweet but, prince. Yeah. I love him. He's great. I mean, sometimes <laughs> I completely disagree with him, and he couldn't be more wrong, yeah. but I also love him. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, it's it does make sense, like, theoretically, but you're also seeing guys, like, I guess Sam Gerard is, like, a good example of, like, a crazy long extension and then getting a decent chunk of change. But he might end up being underpaid, of course, but he might also be end up being, like, slightly overpaid if he's if you kind of round it out. He could be Cam um, Fowler. You know, he could be a guy well, who's exactly. just a phenomenal puck mover who doesn't do the other things to drive play. And right. The interesting thing about him is that even though he had the best zone exit numbers in the league last year, all the fancy stats say that he was about a break-even player at 5-on-5. Five five. So he's doing so he, some other stuff raw well, exactly. to, to, to counteract that. Yeah. yeah, so, like, it's kind of... You could say that as well, and then it's also how, how you measure the value of a year on his ELC, especially this season where... The Leafs don't have a lot of defensemen, so it's like okay, if you or have a lot of defensemen that are just coming, like will be have just one year left on their contract. So it's basically how you value of like the one year with their have, and then like the next three where they'll have a lot more money um, to spare. Maybe get that Sandine, get three years of Sandine and Lilgren up and ready, and then kind of go from there. Are you ready for an example? Okay. Mitch Marner, had he signed after year two, would have been a lot cheaper than if he signed after year three, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the thing, is that you want to burn the ELC as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. Even, even if you do it that's in the, the tail thing, end yeah. of a season, I, like, you look at Kale yeah. McCarr and, and Quinn Hughes, I think that's, that's really going to help them Hughes in contract yeah. negotiations. Hughes is going to be a massive example because he did burn a year with his ELC, yeah. and he's a weird player because like Brock Bester and McAvoy this year with the 10... C yeah. contract the RFAs where they can't sign an offer sheet. Hughes is in the same camp, so yeah, it'll be really interesting. I guess in one or two years, if he does sign an extension before his last year of the contract, but I think we might see a wave of kind of players just going like okay, and especially Thomas Shabbat we just saw with the eight years eight mil, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. It's but, similar uh, to uh, Clayton Keller in that it's more than what they're worth currently, but you're projecting forward that the player improves. Well, yeah, and then it's more like cost certainty, and that's more popular in other sports anyways, but like baseball with cost certainty, you might as well give them the long term and then see if how it works from there, but in, in the end, it won't be a ton of money anyways. Yeah, you're starting to sound like the GM, the, oh, Ross Atkins, uh, years of control. We traded these oh. years of control for that many years of control. Not, uh, the, not the armchair GM, eh, Thomas? Yeah, Interesting. Uh, on that note, you mentioned Lilligren a little while ago, who's a bit of a polarizing guy in Leafsland these days. Have, have you soured on him at all? Uh, kind of... Uh, let me rethink my question here. No, I know what you mean because yeah, I feel like weird. a lot of people in the Leafs land have. And to be fair, I understand it because you have this 19-year-old defenseman who was ready before Lilligren, and he's already looking amazing. And I don't think there's any shame in not being ready at age 19, not being ready at age 20. If, if he's not ready next year, I would say it's a big concern. But the thing with him is that he's been really unlucky with injuries. He had mono. Mm-hmm which, you know, really messed up his first year uh, following his draft. And then this past year, he had a high ankle sprain, and he had some other injuries that that just really prevented him from taking that developmental step forward as a skater. And that's where he needs the most improvement, in his first, second step explosiveness. Look at the way that Sandine pivots out of a corner and compare it to Lilligren. Sandine looks a lot smoother out there. You don't really know how to describe it. You just go, ooh, that's smooth. 
Liljegren needs to look more smooth as a skater. He needs to pivot out of corners better. He needs to, uh, when he's skating backwards, be able to turn laterally easily, the way that someone like Travis Dermott would, because that's an area of your game that you can improve as a skater. Once he improves that, he does have the raw skills to be an excellent puck mover. I'm not sure if you've ever seen him zip a stretch pass, but I'd argue that he's better than anyone in the Leafs organization at doing it, and that includes Riley and Barry. I just think Lilligren's raw talent for finding a guy deep downfield, yeah. he's really good at it. He's like a quarterback who throws long bombs, and you know there are some guys who prefer the dump-offs and the screen passes, but Lilligren likes going long. You know He's Patrick Mahomes, and he's looking for those breakaways, two-on-ones, <laughs> three-on-twos, and it, they work. It's, it's, he no, reminds me of Jake Gardner in that respect. So what I mean is uh, you know, he's going to have a few turnovers, and fans are going to get frustrated with him. But in the aggregate, I bet you he ends up being a top-four defenseman who's a good puck mover. I don't think he'll ever be a first-pairing defenseman, but I think second-pairing right-handed defenseman is a, is a fair assessment for him at this point in terms of projecting what he's going to be. Yeah. It, it's possible he doesn't end, even end up being that. He might just be a bottom-pairing guy. And it's possible he overshoots that and just really develops well over the next year and becomes a top-pairing guy. But gun to my head, you have to ask me, what do I think this player is going to become? I think like a number four right-handed defenseman, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. This may make some people uncomfortable. May have <laughs> some people, you know, may look at you as their enemy moving forward here. And but who, in your opinion, is the most underrated Leafs prospect, and who is the most overrated prospect in your eyes? I was holding my breath there. I thought you were going to ask me about my opinion on the Austin Matthews situation. Nah, there's enough podcasts going on about that, so we're going to maybe stay away from that topic. Um, but we do want to talk prospects because I know uh, that's one thing you and I have in common. And when we, you and I had a beer at the rec room that one time, we just talked about prospects and annoyed Thomas for a while. That's so okay. where, where are you at? Underrated and overrated right now. All right, underrated, I have to pick someone who does a lot of really good things that people don't realize. I'm going to say uh, Tivu Teravainen, maybe. Okay. On, uh, Carolina. Well, people don't realize that he's one of the best wingers in the world, but you don't see the value because he's not a 90-point player, I think. But he's a, he scores more than you think. I think. Right. How many points did he score last year? I'm just going to quickly I think look it was 60. I think it might have been more. Did he, did he hit 70? No, 60-something. 70? 76. Yeah. He scored 76 points last year in 82 games, and he played, in my opinion, maybe not selkie quality defense, but enough to get a top 10 vote as a winger. I think he's phenomenal in the penalty kill, phenomenal five on five. If the Carolina Hurricanes get a lead, every time he's on the ice, he's one of the most valuable players in the league, and we just, we tend not to care as much about that side of the game, and I think he's phenomenal in that regard. Most overrated player in the league. Hmm. I'm nervous. I could, I could like just drop a bomb and say Morgan Riley, but I'm not going to do that yes. to people. Wow. Yes, because could I think you imagine? No, I'm not going to do that because I do think that there are some aspects of his game that the numbers undervalue. Like his partners over the last few years have been garbage. And I feel like if you actually gave him a really good partner, his on-ice results would be phenomenal. Like but Cody Cece. He gets to play with Cody Cece. So not yet. We'll <laughs> wow. get there. Travis Dermott's going to come up and, and be a really oh, good partner he? with him. Two years from now, Morgan Riley's going to be like <laughs> Morgan Riley's going to be thirty six years old as the captain of the Leafs and be like, just wait until he gets that good partner. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, then, and they're going to be like, hey, we drafted ah, the six foot five music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I miss Cody every day. Yeah, Cody Franson will be tearing it up in like the third tier German league, <laughs> yeah. and his course he's going to be through the roof. I'm just saying. But, I love it. Uh, who, not, who do you have as overrated yet? 
Overrated. Who is someone who puts up a lot of points, doesn't drive play at all? Um, let's see. Can I, uh, I don't want to say Phil Kessel. That's rude. People like Phil Kessel. It's a great guy. It's true. He gets a bad rap. <laughs> is Jonathan Taves overrated anymore? I feel like we've reached the point where he's I just think, rated. Yeah, I think he's rated. I think he's rated, especially last season. He was actually pretty good. Yeah. Nico Rantanen might be a hot take. Ooh. I don't think he does anything to help his team at five on five, like other than put the puck in the net. But I think that a lot of people could do that alongside Nathan McKinnon. I think Nathan uh, McKinnon is one of the three best players in the world right now. And the one thing we know about numbers is that if you get to play with a superstar talent, look at what happens when you go and play with John Tavares. Your numbers go way up. I think if Landeskog had to run a line on his own, he'd be getting outshot at five on five. He might Mm -hmm. be still getting his goals, but overall, what's his his true value? Well, yeah, Yeah. we saw that earlier on in his career, too, where he was not... Is it O'Reilly? Yeah, I believe so. I think he played a bit with Duchesne, too. Yeah. But he's a phenomenal goal scorer, and he provides value on the power play, so there's that. But, uh, yeah, that'll be my answer there. You could also go really hot and say Patrick Lane, but I'm of the opinion that the stats people underrate him. I think a lot of people overrate him, but I think that the ability to beat people from distance, like the Steph Curry gravity effect, is just ridiculous. And when Patrick Lonnie's on a power play, it's going to be a top five power play in the league. And that has a lot of value, you know? One of my, like, favorite things just to say, and I think I've said it on the pod before, but Patrick Lonnie, again, like, with the baseball comparison, but Patrick Lonnie is, like, the hockey version of the three true outcome player. Like, the puck's in the net, or he shoots it wide, or... He's terrible defensively. He's Adam Dunn. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, like, Adam Dunn still was, like, got, I'm pretty sure, MVP votes that for the cards. But, yeah, so, like, he could have crazy seasons and still be extremely valuable, but don't rely on him to be, like, everywhere at once, so. Yeah, I like no, it. Like yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use him against the other team's best players. I well, try exactly. to get him in the offensive zone every single time I could. In yeah. a way, I'd use him in a very similar way that I'd use Ovechkin. Although I think Ovechkin's a more valuable player at five on five. Yeah, I, I like guess. it. Should we get to mailbag? Yeah, um, but before we do that, okay, one last question. I'm, I'm dying to know. So I have always really enjoyed the podcast that you've done where you're able to get some prospect people on and talk about these players that I've never heard of ripping up the VHL. Um, <laughs> is there any prospects that you're really looking forward to this upcoming season? It's funny because as a Leafs fan, I, I haven't focused as much on the draft since they traded away their first round pick, which they probably didn't need to do in hindsight because they didn't need to overpay Mitch Marner by $2 million. Then maybe you could have eaten some salary on Marlowe and kept your first round pick in a loaded draft class. That would have been ideal in my opinion, but hey, $11 million for Mitch Marner is just... Yeah, I think Tobias so is born for this. I, I, I feel like people are going to want everyone to shut up about it, but I feel like we're not acknowledging how ridiculous of a contract it was just in, in comparison to everything else going on in the league. But I can't even issue. remember what Thomas's opinion was because while Thomas was going on a tirade about the contract, I was getting tattooed and I already had enough pain going on in my no, life. No, I wasn't going on a tirade. I was just trying to like make sense of it. So... In this draft, everyone knows that Alexis Lafreniere is is going first overall, and he's interesting in that he kind of reminds me of John Tavares because he's not a great skater. He's he's not doesn't have this like ridiculous release that beats goalies like Patrick Laine. He's not that fast. He's not that big. He's not dominant on the cycle. You just go, what's this guy good at? And you're like, he's just he gets to the right places and the pucks in the back of the net. You don't really know how to to explain it because from a raw tools perspective. 
this guy doesn't look like he should be a number one overall pick. But then you look at the production at the end of the day and just go, wow, this guy just, he's good at hockey. I don't know how you describe it. I don't know how we, we quantify it. But with, you look at when his production when he's on the ice. You look at how well his team does. This guy finds a way to get the puck to the back of the net. This is where that hockey IQ comes in. This is where being in the right spot at the right time comes in. But really interesting player. And a lot of draft models have him as being one of the best prospects available since Sidney Crosby. We'll see how his draft year is because last year he absolutely tore up the queue. Does he go for like three points per game this year just to go for something silly? I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But he is one of the better first-round picks to come around in a while statistically. But the tools aren't what you'd expect from a first overall pick. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this works in the new NHL where, you know, you prefer to have your guys have high-end speed, high-end skill. Lafreniere is just kind of always in the right spot. And does that translate to the NHL level? It probably does, but how much does it? I'm curious. Right. He's Absolutely. still easily the first overall pick. I'm just curious, is he better than a Matthews? Is he better yeah. than an Eichel? Is he better than uh, who went first overall this last year? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Jack Hughes. Yeah, Jack Hughes, Rasmus yeah. Dahlien. Like, if we redrafted, would Alexis Lafreniere be near the top? Because a lot of the statistical models say he should be. Right. A lot of the eye test scouts are thinking, mm, you know what, I'm not sure. There might be something, a dynamic aspect missing here. So I'm curious to see who wins out there, and uh, it, maybe it'll teach us something about player evaluation. It's a fascinating case. I know Thomas really likes Alexander Holtz. I'm more of a Lucas Raymond guy oh. myself, but uh, Quinton Byfield's a guy I know I'm really excited about. Askarov is a guy that I know a lot of people are perplexed by. Could you see using a top 10 pick on a goalie, maybe. I think he goes in the top 10, too. Yeah, so that's a to guy. The leaves. No, to the yeah. <laughs> To the Detroit Red Wings, to go with Mo Sider, baby. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's a good pick. I, yeah. I like Mo Sider. I don't of it. I was probably the only nerd who really likes Mo Sider. But I don't know. He's a good we all love Sider. He's 6'4". He can skate. He can pass. He's, he reminds me of Pareko. But he's partnered with Trevor Daly in the preseason, so. Okay. Um, mail <laughs> yeah. Mailbag? That's true. So, Ian, we're going to move into our mailbag. We had a couple fans uh, reach out and ask some questions. So let's get started. Thomas, what's the first thing you've got for um, us? So number one fan, obviously, of the podcast. Totally offside. Oh. We already oh, talked about I was going to say Mike, this one. Mike Stevens? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. Uh, <laughs> he loves us. What uh, are the top five reasons... Totally offside is your best podcast guest. Uh, Top five. Let's see. He was wrong about the JVR <laughs> trade scenario. Which, <laughs> wrong. That, that was good. He's, he's wrong about a lot of stuff, but I, I like him because he says stuff that some people are afraid to say, and he just goes for it, and I really respect that about him. I respect that about Jeff O'Neill. I respect that about... Some people who people don't even like as writers, but like, here's the thing about Steve Simmons is that he, he frustrates me a lot, but with this Austin Matthews situation, I feel like he's been, you know, he's had a few good, t good takes. Uh, I feel like with the Mitch Marner situation, he had a few good takes. Definitely not a writer that I am going to try to emulate in the way that I go about my work, but you know, sometimes people you don't like have really good points. And you know that, that, that you know that meme of the <laughs> yeah. worst person you know yeah. just made a great point? It's like, hey. That happens a lot, and I think we need to just accept that maybe that person is as bad as we're making them out to be. Awesome. It's uh, so a nice question from uh, My Leafs Burner. Secret. That's uh, mine, actually. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Ian's Burner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what would it take for you to get your podcast logo tattooed on your body? Ooh. I feel like we'd need, like, a Travis Dermott, uh, like, all-star nod or something like that. Before we, or... Or what would be the appropriate thing? 
Travis Dermott scoring a game-winning goal in the playoffs. Travis yeah. Dermott. It's something Dermott-related. I feel like it needs to be, right? Okay. That could be good. So PA that... Parento making an NHL comeback or Cody Franson. Either or. <laughs> yeah, no. I, one of our uh, insiders, Bilal, uh, actually could confirm Cody Franson coming back. So we'll have to keep an eye that on that. That tweet made me so happy for two seconds oh. and <laughs> so devastated for like two months. Once I realized <laughs> who it was coming oh from, I was like, oh my god, Bilal. I love stop. that. Uh, I think it was Sporting News actually wrote, Picked an, it article, up, yeah. wrote an article. <laughs> I think that's his header image. Oh my I love how Steve Dangle responded to us and said, why would you do this to Ian Graff? Uh, <laughs> no, I agree, true. man. That was, that was bullying. I did yeah. Not oh my man. god. At it, yeah, at its worst. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a little uh, inside baseball, I guess, because uh, I guess they, the person that asked the question knows that uh, we recently just got matching tattoos. So Yeah, we all got uh, hosers tattoos, <laughs> so that's true. Um, and yeah, getting your podcast logo tattooed on you, uh, like I think that the Leafs, the, the Leafs Geeks one's a pretty cool logo. What about you as a character of yourself <laughs> yeah. from Staff and Graf? Like the clipboard? <laughs> I don't hate I like that, that idea. I that character in me. That, guy, that guy's a good-looking dude, man. I wish, <laughs> I wish he looked more like that guy. He doesn't put together. He's got, like, a nice little suit on. There you go. Yeah, professional. You, and I'm you here and, in, like, my sweatpants and, like, dirty shirt. And I'm like, hey, that guy's got it put together. I wish I'm more like him. So. You, and, you and Rachel yeah. can get matching tattoos. <laughs> there you go. That could be fine. <laughs> one, one says Staff, one says Graf. Yeah, staff one says, and Giraffe. My mind would be a giraffe. I love it. What's the next? uh, I'll get like Saginaw. I'll get like the actual like geographical look of Saginaw and just get it like. It's perfect. Saginaw, yeah. Uh, I listened to that episode on the way to my cottage and I was like, oh my God, Ian, that's not how you say it. (laughs) When did everyone learn how to pronounce this word? I want to know how I'm the only one on the planet. It was just because you said it with like such conviction. You're like, yes, the Saginaw spirit. Like, That's what? literally what they've been my entire life. No one corrected me. So. Uh, I was laughing so hard because at first I thought it was kind of a bit, and then I realized, no, no, he thinks that's how to say it, and that's fine. It's fine. I had a friend who one day he said sword or swordfish, and no one had corrected him. I'm like, dude, you're saying the word sword wrong. What's wrong with you? Sword. <laughs> Every letter should be pronounced. Um, so this is the final one for Mike Stevens, obviously number one, uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Number one, whatever. How do you feel making your Leafs Nation return technically? Oh, it's it's great. I I still want to talk to Mikey and see if we can work something out for this year because I'd I'd love to you know I don't know how you describe it is give, giving back the right way because I I still need to like you know pay the rent and whatnot. I still need to yeah. pay for my work, but I'd love to be a part of what the Leafs Nation are doing this year. So. You know what? In the nicest possible way, let's figure something out, Mikey. You know, call me. There you, there you go. Yeah. Open to negotiate. See, yeah. I kind of feel like we're we're like kind of the, the Darren Dreger to the Paul Marnin type scenario here where we're like, I don't know. I heard in my most recent <laughs> conversations with Ian that he wanted to come back yeah. to TLN. Sorry, Myrtle. So we'll have to see what Mike Stevens <laughs> has to say. Sporting News uh, offered me an offer sheet and I'm uh, <laughs> looking at the terms. But you were, you were never interested in taking it, so you didn't yeah. even look at it. Was it was just a budget deal. Yeah, but you still had to overpay me by uh, about 20%. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, Ian, it's been a blast having you on. Where can people check out your work? And can you give us a preview of some things you've got coming out in the next week or so? Yeah, sure thing. So I think the, the biggest thing that people are going to be interested in is my uh, my big Dubis Marner article, kind of breaking down the entire situation. And I think the, the title, I'm, I'm 
the title I'd love to go with is is Kyle Dubas a, b- a bad negotiator? Because I feel like that's kind of oh, sexy yes. and whatnot, and it's going to grab that's attention. But I actually try to attack that question. And I try to look at the last few negotiations and compare it objectively. And the conclusion I come to is the one that you've probably heard over the course of this podcast, which is that I don't think that that, that deal was negotiated very well. And I try, I'm going to try to break it down with some numbers, with some evidence, with uh, I try to talk to people as if they, they're not super familiar with the numbers. So I just, you know, breaking down why it wasn't negotiated well. And, right. Uh, Minnesota Wild, I don't know what my next article is going to be, but I'm definitely going to come up with something for next week. And, yeah, you can listen to my podcast, wherever you're listening to this one, basically, the Leafs Geeks podcast. I do that one. I'm going to do it twice a week this year. We're going to start things up again ASAP. And Staff and Graf, that's with Rachel Dory, who used to work for an NHL team, the New Jersey Devils. So she kind of has that. She, she, I joke that she's a hockey man, that she's one of the 200. Uh, <laughs> she's a hockey woman. She's She's got to be the first of the, the 200 hockey women. We need more of them in the sport. And, uh, yeah, she, she knows a lot of stuff from, like, the on-ice, off-ice, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, whereas I come at it from more of a you know, third-person perspective, and sometimes that leads to some interesting disagreements and, and different ways of looking at the game, and I find that, that that always leads to the best kind of discussions. Yeah, and I, that's, it's a great point. Rachel's the best. Uh, a couple of days after she moved back to Ontario, I actually ran into her and got to meet her for the first time, and I actually helped her get the computer that I believe she uses to record your podcast. <laughs> so if you need a deal on a computer, and I know a guy, I can get you sorted out. <laughs> But uh, perks. This is awesome. Yeah, there you go. go. But you know, to come back to TLN, let's be clear. But uh, (laughs) Uh, there it is. Wink, wink. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Like she's she's just so nice, so friendly, so well spoken, and and you guys do a really, really bang up job together uh, on the podcast, which is exciting. And you can read her at TLN. That's right. (laughs) There you go. Segue. She has a beautiful column, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So um, that's going to be it for tonight, guys. This has been episode 54. You can check out the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts. We are working on getting it into Google Play and Spotify has been a bit of a nightmare. Not going to lie. We're going to try and figure that out in the next little while as well. But thanks for the support. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Takeoff Hosers. You can also listen uh, to the podcast on SoundCloud as well. Forgot to mention that. SoundCloud.com slash Takeoff Hosers. And feel free to uh, like, review, comment, all of those things. Thomas, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at No Salary Tains, Leafs Nation, Canucks Army, Blue Jays Nation, Yahoo Sports, I guess. Dominionated. <laughs> Any other nations in there? <laughs> what, sorry? Any other nations in there? We got uh, Leafs Nation, Jays Nation. No, unfortunately not. Winning Actually, at, no. I would, Motown, I would, are you still doing stuff I, there or no? I what? Uh, winging at Motown is that the right one? Oh, the Wings Nation? No. Oh, Wings no. Nation. Sorry, Wings Nation. I, Motown's I right watched. Out. I watched two seasons <laughs> of Red Wings hockey, and I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> You're like, I'm not doing this <laughs> again. Like, yeah. So, but yeah, that's it. Where uh, Where are you writing your articles, Carter? Uh, <laughs> you can go to Canam. <laughs> .com with all the work we've been you doing on the three-wheeled motorcycle. <laughs> you can take a spider off the freeway. Oh, and, uh, I, so, we have a new create really quick story. Yeah, please. Uh, My favorite stories are about Can-Am Rikers. We, we had a new creative team come on, and uh, they they searched canam.com. Okay. Um, so Uh-oh. we're canam.brp.com. Yeah, and canam.com oh, is an adult website, no doubt. 
and it's <laughs> <laughs> sex wrestling, pro wrestling, moral no. wrestling, bondage nice. wrestling. Please don't go to that website. <laughs> yeah, so that that's my... That's, I love this guy's face. Yeah, you, you can find me on can-am.com. <laughs> Great. where you can find me. This reminds <laughs> me of the time when I was like 10 years old and I wanted to look up something for Virgin Mobile, so I typed in www.virgin.com. And I was really worried. That right after I hit enter, I'm like, Oh wait! But luckily, <laughs> luckily, it took me to the Virgin Mobile website. That it's was just like nice. malware, malware, crisis of virus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I realized right after I hit enter, though, I'm like, oh, I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. This is something you'll want to look up in incognito mode for the people out there. It was uh, for the phone company. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Uh, you guys can follow uh, follow me on the internet. Uh, I am. Back for good after... You just re-followed me. I, I know. I'm back, baby. So I uh, now that the wedding's over, I feel like I can <laughs> give myself to hockey Twitter again. Feel free to follow your boy at C-H-R-S-K-L-L-N-G-S-W-R-T-H. It's my name without vowels because vowels are whack. Oh, now you nice. know. Oh, right. And I'm at Ian Graff. Sorry, I forgot to include that. There you go. It's a very important part of my brand. Will you ever go back to... What was the one that you tried to get, but like somebody took it? Was it at Ian Tullock? I wanted, I wanted Ian Tullock, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't available. I'm, I've been trying to get it. Uh, maybe I'll do one final rebrand if, uh, if I can finally get full-time here at The Athletic. So then I'll, then I'll really try to come up with something. But I, I like the Ian Graff for now. I, just I feel like, like it too. Long term, five years from now, is that what I'm going to want it to be? No, probably not. So I don't well, know. Listen, I'm open to any suggestions of stuff that's available right now. It's just nothing's available. That's the hard part. Or unless you, I'm willing to do like a bunch of underscores or whatnot. But yeah, that doesn't that makes look it good complicated. either. I think you know you could never do as many rebrands as the Carolina Hurricanes have done in the last two months. So <laughs> they're like at Canes NHL, at NHL Canes, at Canes. <laughs> yeah. Find out at Canes. There's Canes. They got it. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening. We will see you next week for another episode. And uh, yeah, be good to each other. <laughs> what is that? Sign? I don't know. <laughs> I just I okay. just try to like leave the world a better place yeah. than I found it. You know. That's what they do for this podcast. <laughs> At the, the end of it, do an episode next week. Hockey will have started officially. That's right. That's so, crazy. So be good to each other until then. Yeah. yeah. There. Okay. And lose all your shit on Twitter because that's what we're all going to do. <laughs> Perfect. Amen. Couldn't have said it better myself. See you later, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.